Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. There's no game to talk about this week, so it gives us an opportunity to do something a little bit different. I'm joined today by the familiar voices of Steve Dale and producer Dave. Hello, guys. Hello, and we're also joined by not one, but two Radio Stoke commentators, both halves of the Dream Team. Hello, Pete Morse and Graham McGarry. Hello there. Uh, thank you for coming back on. No problem. No problem. We've been waiting for it. <laughs> Just before we start, Graham is on babysitting duty, so hopefully there won't be any background noise. But if there is, that is what's going on today. So I'm going to... Um, just crack straight on. Uh, we'll cast our minds back to the summer. Um, when you were both last on, actually, on different podcasts, just before we kicked off the season. Um, looking at who Crew had lost, looking at who they recruited, Pete, did you imagine that a week before Christmas, the team would be bottom of League One with the players outgoing and the players incoming? Um, no. Um, I didn't think it'd be... I didn't think it'd be, they'd be as low as they are. I thought it would be difficult, particularly at the end where Charlie Kirk and Owen Dale... Uh, get added to the the lads that you've already lost, and and by then you've already had two lads sign and then retire. Um, you know that is not good preparation, and you know that you're not where you want to be. Obviously, Graham and I remember being at Shrewsbury in the Papa John's Trophy game on deadline day, um, and there's still things going on even when we were doing the interviews after around the pitch. Uh, the manager was on the phone. The chairman was on the phone. There was loads of uh, negotiations, and it was that you could tell how stressed they were trying to get players in. Um, so you could tell that. Is that you, Gray? <laughs> it sounds better than me. <laughs> and it knows, and it knows more than me. <laughs> so uh, no, so you, so you knew that we, you know, you can't say that that was good preparation. Um, what I think is what hasn't helped probably is a compliment to the players that they've lost as well but the, you know the, the the nailed on players who you felt were going to be strong for Cruz Mika Mandron's a good example he was excellent last season um, you know sort of a talismanic figure up front and uh, you, you thought well you don't have to worry about that position and he hasn't hit anywhere like the same form and consistency that you would have expected and and that's become a problem you didn't even think you had now that might be because he hasn't got Charlie Kirk and Owen Daly either side of him you know that might be a pretty understandable reason but on top of the people that you, you lost the players that you thought were you know were, were issue, weren't issues have become issues and I think that's probably led to the problems that they've had and obviously the difficulty with results. Graham I'll come to you Charlie Kirk who Pete just mentioned there what was your thoughts on his move to Charlton should he have waited and gone to the championship or is that a good move for him even though he's still in the same division i don't think you can wait uh, i think those days have gone of waiting and thinking you can pick and choose where you want to go at the end of the day at the moment it, it doesn't seem as though it's working out right for him because he's not getting much game time at all but that you know when you look at round of uh, where it is in terms of uh, cost of living and wages and everything that goes with a move from Crow Alexander, it was always in his favour. 
and of course Charlton are an ambitious club. They're still a big, big club at the Valley with uh, you know aspirations of even going with a late run to try and uh, make the playoffs this season after what has been a, a dreadful start for them. So no, I, I wasn't surprised. Although he's he is a homely type of person in what I'm calling the, the radius of where he lives and where he would commute from and where he would go. Going down to London is a completely new life for him, really, that he has to start again and, 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 and live and, and work in the big city. But uh, as far as it, it goes, no, I think once Charlton came along, once he seen the contract that he was going to be signing, I think it was a, a no-brainer. And they obviously reached that... Uh, buyout clause as well. But the good thing about Charlie Kirk was, and we'll not forget this, that he said that he wouldn't go until crew got some money. Yeah, so Graham, I feel like I gave you the easy one there, talking about Charlie Kirk. Um, a little bit of a different end of the spectrum with Owen Dale, wasn't it, Pete? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why, hang on, why, why does he get the easy ones and I get these, just to clarify? I'll switch it for the next one. Experience. Oh, right. okay, good. good. <laughs> well, yeah, I've definitely not got that on you. Um, no, no, it wasn't. I mean, Owen, Owen Dale really did um, come out come out of the blue. Um, and it was a strange one, wasn't it, to, to be for him to go on loan in the end? Um, I think that was... Uh, and I think that was what a lot of the stress that I'm talking about at Shrewsbury was about it was it was about trying to get in players to to potential loans to strong players that were pretty much agreed to be coming through the clubs and the agents and stuff the players themselves just didn't fancy it and, and obviously when you when you're on deadline day you, you haven't got any time to react there's nothing else you can do so that was going on but the Owen Dale thing was was causing a lot of stress and um you know reading between the lines it wasn't um as harmonious as as Charlie Kirk's exit or any of the other the other players, uh, there was a there was a little bit of uh, problems and personality clashes there, different ideas about what what was the right thing. Um, but it boils down to losing a strong player, whichever way you whichever way you, you cut it. Owen Dale, although he, he you know he he hadn't been a con- he hadn't had a full season of being a consistent, real good player for Crew, but he'd had some very very good purple patches, which has obviously attracted the attention of Blackpool and one or two other clubs. Um, you, you, you're weaker again, aren't you, with, with a player like him going? And um, I think that uh, it'll be interesting over January what happens, because there's lots of rumours, and, and you see what I see on the internet in terms of uh, Blackpool and, and the price and whether you'll go. And, and then you wonder, with, with, you know, will COVID affect it? You know, if there's another lockdown, if that's going to affect clubs... Budgets are Blackpool going to have the same money? Uh, will he be back here in a couple of weeks? I don't know. On the on the field of play, that would be a big positive for me. Um, whether personality-wise and what's gone on there, um, whether that would work out, I would hope so. Um, I'd, I'd hope they'd be able to um, put whatever it was between them as wonder, water under the bridge and get on with it because um, he would be a massive asset coming back. But. Um, it all remains to be seen. It does feel like something that really is undecided as far as I'm know. I really don't know what will happen there. Good, good feeling. Are we going to see him in a crew shirt again? I don't think got, so. No, no. I, I, I think as uh, things have gone on, uh, not very nice uh, from the both parties. And I think uh, the, the chairman will ensure that uh, even if, if we'll never know the exact deal that is done anyway, but I would sure that the crew chairman will make sure that Owen Dale probably never plays again for Crowley's under. 
Yeah, so I'll just jump in before we do end up jumping too far ahead. I think this, uh, speaking from a sports point of view, I think this is probably the frustrating thing. I, I personally did think we'd struggle this season. I don't think, um, with the players we're going to lose, I don't think anybody with our, with our sort of resources could have ever come back from that in terms of um, basically doing what we did last season. But I didn't expect to do it in such a dramatic fashion, if you like. It, it, it all seems to go a bit bitter and it's a shame. Because obviously we had obviously the thing with Dale, we had the two retirements that no one could have foreseen. We had the, the Tommy Lowry issues. It just seems it just seems to have been done in such a sad way. And I think after all the the positives we've had over the last couple of years, it, I think that's the, probably the saddest thing about it all, really. I think you're exactly right, Steve. Because uh, you know we've been at it a long time, Pete and I, and we never thought we'd have seen Crew in this situation. It was never a football club that had problems with players and never had uh, people sort of walking out or having, you know, moves engineered to, to, to go to other clubs. And it is a sad time, you know, when people say, when you've been talking about recruitment, Pete, you know, I, I thought we'd actually sign some, some good players, but, you know, at the end of the day, we talked about it yesterday, over, the, over the last radio interview with Stuart, you know, just because they came from Manchester City, Southampton, Tottenham, wherever, doesn't mean to say that we're going to be ready for, for League One football. I just think it told me that we we're going to be in for a tough season. When they open games of the season, we hardly picked up any points. You know, Cheltenham, Cambridge, Morecambe, Doncaster, Shrewsbury, clubs like that, Fleetwood, they're all teams are, are around at that bottom half of the table and we were hardly getting any points. And I think the signs were there in, them, in that particular stage of the season, very early on. It was going to be tough. And how the recruitment's panned out, which we'll talk more about, it's tougher than ever because it hasn't worked out right, the players that he's brought in. Yeah, that was something. So, Graham, you just mentioned Saturday night that we did a, a little mini review on Radio Stoke. And I said, you know, these players, Ben Knight, Scott Robertson, Janiel Bennett, um, they basically, they are going to be good players, but they're not good players yet consistently, I think is fair to say. You know, the this, this sparks, there's bits of really good play. Um, what, what's the solution then? Do, do we just say we're not going to take any of these youngsters? Are we going to, like you said yesterday, look non-league and try and get some youngsters of our own that we can develop and see the benefit of later? They're almost players, aren't they, Stu? That if they were our players, they were just coming through the system, we'd be quite happy because we think they were quite... They got a lot about them, but in the position that we need them, just to come and hit the ground running. It's a different situation altogether. Absolutely, yeah. Like Charlie Kirk, what two seasons, three seasons before we really started to see. Mm. Uh, but Janiel Bennett is here for six months. You know, that's not long enough for us to turn him into a football league player. No, it isn't. I think the solution is something that we brought up on the radio yesterday. We need to be better in the recruitment scouting department. That has got to improve at the football club. If it doesn't, it just keeps going down, down, down. Because you cannot just, as we talked about again, you cannot just bridge that gap with your own players. That gap that is left by those quality players moving cannot be bridged all the way around. And I know we're going to talk about the youth team shortly as well, about how well that group of players are. But we have, have not been known for getting good talented younger players that can go and play at League One level. We don't do enough work, I don't think, outside the, the, the football games. We've got to be looking and being at places, getting everything that's been filtered back about these players 
who are at these clubs, you know, they're talking about Premier League games being called off, this, that and the other. Some of them have got 20, 30 players out on loan. Well, surely if we pick the right ones and not the ones that we've said, you know, coming for the first loan out of that parent club, but the ones who've got a second or even a third loan must be able to be better than what we've been bringing in in the last few years. And for me personally, and I think Pete has the same feeling, we have to improve our scouting recruitment department. That is the next move for the board of directors who came in, brought us some ambition, brought us some hope, brought you some life for everybody to the football club. It's been tidied up. Things are working pretty good off the field, but now they've got to concentrate for me on the field. It's almost, Pete, like as though, you know, if we look back at Dario's time, he needs the Neil Baker figure, the person who knows the game inside out, the lower league, can go and scout these rough diamonds and bring them in and then improve them. And that's the club's job then to improve them, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously things have moved on. So the the data analysis um, is massive and you pretty much have to have that now. Um and and that's that's kind of what crew focus on now, and and you and you can't do without it. It's important, um, and it can work. I mean, we didn't send anyone to Norway to watch Tumor and any. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he came through that sort of system, so it, it can be successful. But I do think we probably do need more bodies on the ground. A, a Neil Baker, somebody who can be out and about, and um, you know, you see the criticism of the manager, and obviously the book stops with him. Um, you see people saying, um, oh, he's not recruited very well. Um, well, he's busy every Saturday and Tuesday night, isn't he? So he's, he's not actually out there himself, and he can't be. Um, that's, one of the best res- that's one of the best responses I've ever had to a joke ever, that. Um, I'll tell you what, it's all funny because Adrian's appeared quite a lot. So he's now taking over the babysitting role. I'm free, Pete. You've still got your problems. Yeah, no, I'm hiding. I'm hiding in the bedroom. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, that, that would be the ideal combination. I think the, the continue with the, uh, the data analysis and all that work that goes on. And, and obviously it's all about networks and contacts and agents have to come in, into that. But you can't only rely on on agents. Um, and I'm sure Graham, I, Graham and I aren't saying anything that the club don't already know and aren't already looking at. But, um, you know, the days are gone of, um, you know, Dario being out watching Geisley and picking up Richard Annan, for example. Um, I don't think that happens quite so much now. So you have to have that network that Neil Baker was in charge of and now obviously isn't with the club anymore. Pete, just while we're on that, um, on that discussion, um, we've made a point on here a few times about... Um, the crew circle and being at the bottom of it and how we react to that. Is, is that what you put down to um, probably it's happening with Steve Davis, it's now in Dave Artel, just that plug-in recruitment that we don't seem to have been able to um, succeed with, basically? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, the, the cycle's self-evident in terms of the, uh, the homegrown players and obviously the task is to plug those gaps Um and it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because you want to, you want some experience to help the younger lads through. You want to plug the the gaps. You want some quality, but equally, you don't want to stand in the way of some of those players coming through. And we have to go through that process where players aren't quite ready. The one we've just described with Charlie Kirk, if you like, and and the, you know, and if Janelle Bennett was ours, 
we'd be going through that with him, wouldn't we? And um, and we all understand and accept that. Um, but they do need help, and and perhaps they need more help than they have managed to get this season. So. Yeah, it's probably something that... Uh, well, I know the club's looking at it and um, it, it, it probably needs a bit more help. I think it just comes down to, you know, the need the need more bodies, more people, you know, just a tweaking of how they go about that. Um, I mean, I, I spent an hour with the manager the other day um, to, and, and I said, is it, do you like this time of the year? Because you must be busy looking at um, recruitment for January and he said what do you think that ever stops he said I've probably done more contract negotiations and talking over the last couple of months than I did in the summer but you lot don't get to hear of it because it's not it's not the same type of thing but he said that never stops so he is super busy and he does does everything like that now whether that's the right thing um, whether that's the right approach I'm not convinced I know that's something they're talking about whether even that's something that Alex Neil coming in and his, his input I'm not saying him personally, but it might be something that he picks up on as well, that maybe the, maybe the, the way that crew are, are going about things um, hasn't quite been right and, and, and needs changing. And in fairness to the, the, the board um, and the chairman, and, and you know, they are trying to catch up on a lot of different things. I think um, until Norman Hassel went, they've felt in a bit of a state of paralysis in terms of any investment, any money that they've, they've spent, They've been worried about that and, and, and whether it's the right thing. And they've been in a straitjacket. Obviously, now they're trying to catch up uh, and they're doing a great job off the pitch. They've done loads of brilliant things. And on the pitch, whichever way you, you cut it, they, they've, they've given the manager a bigger budget this time around as well. So that's it hasn't been ignored, but maybe it's the next thing they need to look at a little bit more carefully. Just touching on that, the uh, what you were talking about, Pete, the difference between, well, the balancing act between youth and experience. Only a month or two back, I think there was three academy graduates starting, and then I think the last match it was backed up to eight. Do you think that's a conscious decision that um, that they've made to try, to try and I don't know have they written the season off and they're just kind of blooding the youngsters for next season, or do they genuinely think that it's the youth that's going to get them off the bottom of the table? I don't. I don't think they've uh, written the season off. That, that's for sure. I think. Um, I think it's. I think it is a conscious decision to an extent, probably as much as anything about getting back to playing football the way that uh, crew have to play football. Um, but also, I think it's on merit as well. I don't, I don't think there's any player who's been brought in from the outside who can be on the sidelines at the minute saying, well, this isn't fair, I should be in the team. Um, and people like Billy Sass Davis have come in and done well. Um, yeah, we're still not winning enough games, um, but Zach Williams falls into that category too um, and crew have been better for it so I do think it is um, it, it is a conscious decision for a number of reasons but among them are we look better for it and we've got more chance of winning games this way than, than we did before Another thing that I think definitely I'm guilty of and I think a few other crew fans are guilty of we believe that the academy players but uh, want to do better, like they they put more effort in than these um, outsiders, uh, for want of a better word. You know, and you've just mentioned Billy Sass Davis and Zach Williams there. They are keeping out Terrell Thomas and Donovan Daniels, like you say, on merit. Is that something that you guys think that, you know, there are a few players who, it's something I mentioned yesterday on the radio, that they're not going to be here next year. And they're thinking, well, I haven't really got, the, I'm not bothered about this relegation scrap because I'm not going to be in League Two next year. And has Dave Artell figured out who they are and that's why we're not seeing them? 
No, I don't think uh, any footballer goes around with that type of attitude. They've got a living to make and they've, they'll be under the microscope and under scrutiny of, from other clubs. And uh, if they find flaws in them, they could find themselves out of the game. How many players are we finding out of the game now that we think should be in a, in a club? Uh, I, I'm all for what Pete said. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. These players who are in the team are in the team on merit. The manager... I'm sure isn't just going to pick a player that he thinks isn't going to be here next year to uh, to, to change change the way that they're they're going about things. He's got to pick what he believes is his best team for that game. And in this last few weeks, those from the academy and one or two others, Callum Ainley's in the team, and Travis Johnson's getting again. So they've been about a couple of seasons, them lads, and there's a few more have all gone into that pot now of playing in the in the first team. But those players have also know that they won't stay in the team if they don't reach the level that the management team think, and they've got to start winning some games, as Pete says. So I, I, I'm never one of those who think uh, players have given up and they're not, they're not going to be here next year because I think, as David Artell always says, you've got a big P in front of your name and it says professional, and uh, they have to go about it professional. Otherwise... They're not old players. None of them. You're talking about uh, only Chris Porter, who's given everything for for the football club since he's come in. So he's the only uh, elder statesman who's running out of contract, but he's still doing a fine job when he gets his opportunities in the team like he's doing at the moment. But the Terrell Thomases of this world and Donovan Daniels of this world and other names, they're still middle-aged men trying to make their way in football. And they cannot be seen to be non-triers. They're not middle-aged, boss. Not quite, yeah. Even Portis is middle-aged. Well, what am I then? Old age. He's only half the age of me, so I must be old age and he's middle-aged to me. He didn't answer your question then. No, he didn't. (laughs) He didn't. Oh, we'll stay out of that. (laughs) Um, Let's move away from that then. Um, Obviously, you two were going to games last season when the vast majority of people were not. What's different this year? Um, has it been good having fans back? Is there a worry? You know, obviously at the minute, there's quite a big uh, worry with lots of clubs of games being off this weekend. It's why you're both free this weekend. What's the perception of how this season's going? Well, first of all, the reason what the difference is in terms of football, why we haven't got as good a players. That was an easy one to answer there. We haven't got the quality that we had last year. When you see what's happening, you know, with, with the boys who are around and about around the different clubs, they're all doing particularly well. And uh, we, we, we were never, ever going to replace them. It's great to have the fans back. Of course it is. That's football's all about. We've, we've been fans as kids. We're still fans now. We act like fans at times as well. It, it, it's it's got to continue. They've got big decisions to make. We know there's uh, the Premier League meeting coming up Monday and then the EFL will be talking to the Premier League and massive decisions to make of which way it's going to go in terms of with it being the festive programme because this is a... A major time. We're talking about the hospitality in the country. You know how it's going to be affected if if things get cancelled. Well, that's going to be exactly the same at football clubs. This is really the time when gates usually go up and hospitality sold out, and money comes into the football club. And uh, last time around, of course, when the lockdown was on, there was no supporters. The clubs were losing 
millions, well, not millions in terms of each club, but the overall general picture of the EFL was losing millions of pounds. And we just hope that doesn't happen because it will spoil if we have any circuit breaks. I was talking about that with you yesterday. I've thought about it since and read some articles and perhaps that's not the right decision now. They've got to try and get those teams out and play the games. As long as it's safe and well-marshaled and, and, and well-stewarded, fingers crossed they can carry on because it could be in a, in a right mess if this goes on for a few weeks now where they're not playing regularly and then the financial implications will come to, to the football clubs without a doubt. It was a bit of an awkward situation for us last season because we were very privileged and very lucky to be going to the games when no one else could. Um, and that wasn't lost on us. Um, and if you're in an, an empty stadium of light in Sunderland and with, a, you know, with, with that, it, it, it's quite an awesome sight. However, it, it wasn't great. Um, we felt like we couldn't say that because any time anyone uttered anything like that, it was like, well, you, you know, you're the bloody lucky one and I can't go. And which, which we know, we understand and appreciate. And uh, as I say, I mean, I'm even feeling like I've got to choose my words carefully now because we, we knew we were, we were the lucky ones. However, the games just whirled around. Um, you were in empty stadiums. There was no atmosphere. Um, and it became a bit monotonous. Um, there was times when me and Graham were in the studio. And we were glad we didn't have to go to, to Gillingham on that Tuesday night, I've got to say that. But, you know, sitting in the studio and doing the, doing the commentary from there was a novelty at first and a bit of fun, and we weren't cold. But then that was, frankly, crap as well in the end. So it's, um, it, it, yeah, it, it taught us all how important, well, important doesn't even cover it, completely fundamental Mm. fans are to the games and what it's like. The whole thing is a waste of time without that. So hopefully we don't have to go back to that again because, um, again, even though we were the luckiest ones, it still wasn't very good. It's worth just... It's something I've mentioned a few times on the pod as well this year, but the numbers that crew are getting away this season has been particularly high, hasn't it, Graham? You know, the fans have stuck with the team so far this season. Well, absolutely terrific. You know, even last year, when you think about it, a lot of the money was donated to the football club from the fans who had purchased the season tickets who missed out on a lot of games. So what a fantastic gesture that was. Now, to think that the support has increased is incredible, really. You know, it makes you wonder where they've all come from. But I guess it's all to do with lockdown last time around when they weren't unfortunate to be able to go, that all of a sudden they realise... What a Saturday means. It's difficult when they're going to Gillingham on a Tuesday or a Plymouth on a Tuesday night, but they were st they've still got good numbers there this season at Plymouth on a Tuesday night. But I think what's happened there, there's been a knock-on effect from not having any football, missing out on talking to your mates, having a, a pint or two with your mates, Pete fetching the pies and, uh, and, and the coffees. And, and it just generates... It just generated more people wanted to be involved in their community football club because I also think that's another thing that's happened. I think football clubs have got closer to the communities that where they're positioned around the country. So yeah, fantastic uh, thing, you know, from from the supporters from Crew who are really putting it out when they're going away from home. It's a very costly exercise 
to go and uh, first of all get there and buy your ticket and then you know have, have a bit of enjoyment as well through through the game with your refreshments so yeah fantastic and I, and I think it's all down to the increase coming from the lockdown which stopped everybody going with that being said um the fan numbers have been really high but they have yet to see an away win um pete three league wins all season so far halfway through the year from your guys point of view how difficult is it finding new ways of talking about a defeat how difficult is it to say the same thing in a different way every week uh, yeah it depends on the game itself um and what that what that game is like um if it if the game is fundamentally over after an hour that last half hour is very difficult um, because, you, you know, you, you know the contest is over. Um, so you can start talking about the next game or you can start uh, reanalyzing what you've already seen or you can start talking about Graham Sandals. It, you, you, just have to, uh, you just have to get through it. But it, it, is, it isn't much fun um, and it is difficult. Obviously, I think we had a spell like that and that was the most worrying spell when, for me, we didn't even look like we were going to score a goal, never mind win a game. Around the time uh, we lost to Bolton, that was a particularly sort of lifeless performance. But Fleetwood away for me was the worst. Oh, well, that was yeah, the one of the worst that. games of football I've ever seen. Spot yeah, on. yeah, that, that's yeah, my so, worst one. Yeah, so all around that time, that was that was that was difficult. I don't it hasn't been like that for a while though. I think we've been in all the games. Uh, performances have uh, improved. Obviously, results have improved as well. Um, and hopefully it stays like that. So, you know, Graham and I have been doing it for a very long time now. So we've talked about a lot of defeats and we've talked a lot about a lot of victories. So we're well accustomed to that. It's just that as long as we're in the games and we're competitive and we've got something to hope for and things that we can see and from our position that might help or, you know, something to cling to all the time or something to celebrate, then it's fine. It's just it's just when you get into those games where it's um, it, it's all over, really, but you've still got to you've still got to see it out. That's when it's uh, it's particularly difficult. Yeah, I think that Fleetwood one. I made a point on the pod of watching that on TV and listening to that Captain Pugwash theme song three times. That was bad <laughs> enough. So I don't know what it was like for you guys actually in the stadium. Um, let's talk about something positive. Uh, I think one of the things that has taken a, quite a lot of the pod's attention this season, way more than I think it would have done in a normal season if we weren't bottom of the league, is the FA Youth Cup. Um, Dave, I think you've been to all of the games so far. Yeah, uh, and I've, you've, I've been really impressed. Um, Graham, who have you been? Who have you been impressed with when you've been to see? Who do you think could possibly be pushing as well as Zach Williams to get into his first team before the end of the season? Well, I don't know how long it's been talked about, but I think it's been talked about for a few months or possibly over twelve months. That they always knew the club, the main men at the club, the coaches, the academy manager, the main manager that this group of players was exceptional. And it's proving to be that uh, because there are players, like when we used to watch years and years ago on the conveyor belt that used to go down to Rees Heath and watch the youth team play and you'd spot your players and you knew that they were going to become first team players and some of them you thought have got a great chance to be superstars and they went on to be superstars it's been a little bit quiet over the last few years but this group they've got some standout players no doubt about that and obviously 
the players who've been in the first team squad are the ones that come to, to mind. But don't rule out three or four others who are also in that squad that can also become first team players. But obviously, Zach Williams, Conor O'Reardon, Joel Tabiner, people like that. Even uh, Salisbury, the centre forward, who hasn't had a chance yet at first team level, but scores goals at under-23 level and youth team level. So they've got quite a few players that they really do think are going to make it to the, to, you know, as a regular crew player. And hopefully it's all signed, sealed and delivered and sorted that they get sold when they do get sold for big money because that is what is needed at the football club to keep it going. But I've been really impressed with the way that uh, the, the, the management team have taken it on. The two local lads in Lee Bell and Ryan Dicker, you know, they've got all to that group of players. They've coached them through to where they are now. And they really do fancy that they've got, you know, good ac acquisitions coming through into Crew's first team. And fingers crossed, that's the way it is. That's the business model. Who knows what's going to happen, though? Who knows what's going to happen with that group of players? If we want to lead into it now, we talked about it on the radio. I'll get Pete's views on it. I'm pretty strong. He'll, he'll be strong on it as well. They are scholars. And the situation about being scholar is that they haven't signed a professional contract as yet. Some might have done, and it might not have been really yet. We're not quite sure on that. Something's holding it up that we haven't announced those players. And that's the worry. The biggest worry that they're having now is it's all changed from the Dario day when he, he, he could sort it all out. It's not the case now because these lads, scholars can go for the compensation fee without a transfer fee being involved. And some of them could even go without even pulling a crew shirt on. And there's a big question then to the chairman of the board what are you making the business model now? I'm me under the bus now, is it? Have oh, I got to talk about that now? <laughs> yeah, of course you have. It's, it's the biggest talking point we've got. Oh, You're um, the man in the know. You're in the four walls, you now. Divulge well, I mean, it. I well, I think, it's, um, I think it's going okay. I mean, you're right. It's obviously not straightforward as it used to be. They've all got agents for a start. Um, mm. and they've all got different views obviously all got different parents who've got different views it's a lot more complicated um but i think i think they'll i think they'll get it sorted i think i think they'll get it done they, you know it just isn't isn't the case of uh here's a contract and they sign it and walk out the room that you, you actually have to negotiate pretty much each, each one in the same way that you talk about um you know some signing of an experienced player and i think that's i referred earlier to what the manager said to me you know, a couple of days ago, he said, I've been busy all summer. And I, just, I suspect that the players we're talking about are, are a lot of what's keeping him busy. But um, as far as I understand, it's going fairly well. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is important. It is a good group. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar with it as, as Graham is. I don't live the life Graham leads. I haven't got time to go to these games on, you know, you know, he's just... He's, uh, you jump on the bandwagon when You jump on the bandwagon when silverware at stake. Quarterfinals. You'll turn up for the Cheshire Senior Cup quarter semi and final and the FA Youth Cup semi final. Yeah, I, I think I've got a quarter final rule. That's why the only game I've ever seen, I think, was getting whacked at Man City that year. <laughs> yeah, uh, we went that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so, so, yeah, so in terms of that, but, but I did know um, 
from speaking to Lee Bell a few months ago, he, he was talking about Zach Williams. At the time, Zach Williams, I, I didn't know who that was. No idea. He could have been stood in the room. I wouldn't have known it was him. Um, but he was, I mean, to say he's enthusiastic about Zach Williams is an understatement. And he's someone who really knows him. And, and um, yeah, let, let, let me tell you, that there's a lot of belief in those that boy and, and some other boys at the, at the club. Um, you know, really effusive in his praise of him and uh, and very, very confident about what he could do for crew and, and, and beyond. So, um, it, it, you know, yes, the contract thing is a thing now. It never used to be a thing, but it is is a hurdle to overcome. But I think they've got enough experience and, uh, and flexibilities to see that out. And and let, let's let's make sure that this is a this is a positive and further enforcement of the idea that the academy works um you know you can talk about what needs to be improved and you, you, at a football club you can always improve in all areas and uh you know the, the academy too but it speaks for itself when you when you have when you're bringing through players like like zach williams and a, and a crop like the one that they've got at the minute then you know that the the system's working at academy level and now it's up to uh you know the the, the the management team to to blood them in the first team. The process that we've seen so many times get that done right it doesn't happen overnight necessarily. You might see them come in and like Billy Sass Davis, he came in was about three or four years ago against Newcastle and wasn't ready. So uh, they can keep going, um, keep getting chances and um, and make it make sure that uh, make sure that the system works going forward. You just mentioned Billy Sass Davis there. For me, he's somebody that, because of that, Williams has gone under the radar a lot. Well, he's had to come through a hard apprenticeship, Billy has, and he'll put his hands up to that and admit it as well, because, uh, you know, there's been all sorts of players have come in and played centre-half and not given him his chance, and then he's come in and had a chance and he hasn't taken it, and he's had the odd mistake here and there, and he was unfortunate he did get sent off at Hartlepool, but it did look as though it was sending off. But uh, in the end, if VAR had been about, he wouldn't have been ascending off. But obviously, he's got into the team now. He's got into it regular. And it's up to him, you know. And I think going to Wales at the under-21 level has also helped him as well. And uh, he'll hopefully, he'll go on. He'll go on. And uh, he's got everything in his favour, hasn't he? Six foot three, big, strong lad. Got to prove it right. One point there. The um, I used to be proud when you heard there was twenty or thirty scouts at a game. Now I'm just worried. I'm just worried that they're going to pick off these lads before they've signed a contract. Well, I think Pete's just tried to enlighten uh, all you people on the podcast and all your people who are going to be listening to us as well. That fingers crossed they are moving in the right direction. But yes, it is a concern. You know, I counted over forty odd. Uh, the, the other week for the night game and there was no players that were watching from the other club but obviously the young players from the crew side of it were the ones that they were uh, earmarking but at the end of the day they're on the ball with it the chairman knows the business and he will hopefully get it all sorted that we will still have these players for a season or two in the crew first team and then selling them on but it isn't it isn't like it was years ago you're right. We used to be able to have the 20, 30 scouts falling out between themselves who wanted to bid and who wanted to buy such and such a player. Well, now it's all about the agent sorting that out before the scouts. I think um, Pete just uh, mentioned something there that I wasn't sure what the answer was, but I think you have just answered it, whether Zach Williams was always the one that was penciled in as going to be 
ready first or a little bit ahead or whether he played just out of necessity because we needed someone to fill in at, you know, well, left centre-back, I guess, would be his position. I think, I think he's been the one leading the way, although the only reason that Lee Bell was talking to me about him was because I feature one of the one of the up and coming players in the in the magazine every week every month sorry and um and I was and I was doing Zach now I must have been doing Zach because Belly must have said let's do Zach because I, I wouldn't have known who Zach was um but I was really I was, I was, I was well I wouldn't have done but I was I was really taken aback by how how strong Lee was about Zach and how much how highly he rated him um you know pretty much finished the con- conversation by thinking, Jesus, can't wait to see this kid play. So I, I suspect that he that 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 points to him being the main man and the one they expected to be to be coming through first. But as I say, I couldn't I couldn't say that from a personal point of view because uh, I didn't I didn't know his name until a couple of months ago. And then the other thing is I think both of you have made the point that it's it's not as easy as do we keep the academy model? Do we scrap the academy model? That there is harder thinking involved by lots of people. That's more, you know, that, that it's more important than yes, no. Um, there is a player, and Graham, I'm going to come to you um, because Pete's already upset that I went with him with uh, Owen Dale. There is a player that had some people in the crew, um, the crew fan base, some people who come on the pod quite regularly saying he needs to scrap the academy system if Tommy Lowry walks away for free in the summer. Um, it's not that simple though, is it, Graham? It's it's coming up with a solution that works for the club to make sure the club get the benefits of developing these players, but also with the players feeling like coming to crew is still the best thing for them to do in their career, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's what they sell the that's what they can only sell it on. They can only sell the club on what they can offer the player. And what they can offer the player, turn the clock back. What six six years ago? Twenty four is he nearly Tommy Lowry, or is he twenty four now? Six years ago, eighteen, seventeen, eighteen came in and made his debut, like a lot of the players have, and they they've got to adhere to that. There's no doubt about that. There's one thing they can't lose sight of, is the way that they go about getting their youngsters signed up for the football club into the schools, into the earliest ages, down at. Uh, and then building up through the, the years to get them to a full-time contract. Yes, it was messy. Of course it was messy. And we, we're, not sh- we're not sure exactly what went on and why. It all seems to me as though, you know, there's a clash between the agent and, and the manager. And, uh, and then it, it went out of, out of line and then the player suffered. There's no doubt about that. The player suffered seriously when he hasn't played his football. Because Tommy Lowry is as good a player when he's on song as anybody in League One, without a doubt. And he, he was destined to go and play higher. I'm not sure now whether this has hampered his career, what's happened to him, that he may have to wait a little bit longer. I'm not saying he's going to wait a crew a little bit longer. I hope he does. I hope he does, because I love seeing Tommy Lowry play. But he may go to somewhere else, and we'll be all thinking, well, where's he gone and why has he done that? But that might be the, the consequences of what's gone on in the first five months of, of the season. So just going back to what crew have to stick with, they have to stick with, they can offer their boys a chance in the first team if they reach that level. And that is the way the business model has to continue. And if they come out of that, 
then they have got a problem with the business model because there's that much opposition to get these lads signed up from around the country, but we have no divine right that uh, they come to crew. Um, are, are either of you willing to say what, what side of the fence you came down on with the Artel choosing not to play Lowry? Is that a decision you were behind? Could you understand it? Me personally, and I'm not taking any, any sides or anything, I wanted Tommy Lowry in the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was obviously a lot more complex than, than than we even understand now. So it's not really right to to judge it when you haven't got all the facts. And that's probably something I I often think about when um, when uh, you know when you when you read social media um, and people are coming out with all these strong opinions. Mm. Um, and you and and you, Graham and mine might know something. Which we can't say or whatever. What you're thinking? You don't even you don't even know, mate. You don't even know what's gone on. You don't even understand this subject. Yet you are absolutely going hammer and tong at the uh, at your point of view and think it's right. Um, so I wouldn't want to fall into that camp. So I, I don't I don't know exactly what went on with in that situation. Um, but I, I do know that nobody enjoyed it. Nobody enjoyed it. Nobody wanted it to be like that on either side. That's that is a fact. Um, and it's a, and it's a. What's disappoint? What's the main disappointing thing apart from Tom Lowry is that you know you know when people don't learn to just press mute when they're not speaking. That's that's one of the, you know just just press mute when you're on Zoom when you're not speaking. That's one that's one of the key things that could change the world. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not doing that. It's too technical. If I if I do it now, right, right, I'll do it now. Okay. Well, a bit late now, isn't it? Well, I, I didn't want to say anything. You know, we're we're the uh, the fan led podcast, and you guys are the radio professionals. So when we're actually together, and I help him get his bag up to the top, and I go and get him bruised, and tell him if he's got a bit of pie on his chin, and look after him, carry his bags back down. Well, you know, when I'm, when I'm not actually sat with him, it's not as easy to guide him through. But I still thought in the end, felt like I was in the middle of a party. Just just to put me right, when it says <laughs> when it says unmute, is that what I do to start talking again? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you answered. <laughs> Goodness gracious, if Santa's been here. We're leaving that bit in, definitely. Yeah, leave, leave yeah. it all in. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to just, I, I know you're both sort of pushing for time. It's the Sunday before Christmas, uh, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. A couple of things. Now, Graham, uh, we've mentioned a few times already, we're, you know, on the radio yesterday. I... I'm a little bit less optimistic about the ability for crew, this crew team to stay up in League One. Uh, you have about seven teams that you would put in the relegation contenders. Pete, are you more with Graham? Do you see that this season doesn't necessarily end in relegation or are you not quite as optimistic as that? Oh, no, it definitely doesn't have to end in relegation. I mean, it can, it can all change. I mean, what we do know is that we've got a massive task on our hands to, um, to get out of the trouble because uh, I think we... We know we've seen a, a certainly an improvement in performances and obviously better results. Not enough better results, but some. Um, so I think Crew are going to do better without a doubt in the second half of the season, and uh, hopefully the January window will help that. But obviously, you know your competitors in the in the dogfight, as it were, will also pick up points, and they're not also going to uh, lose every game and allow Crew just to to, to cruise clear. Um, we always use the um, fifty points mark as a as a guide and, and, and what we what we think we've got to get to. But you do have to take each season in its uh, 
you know, in its own isolation. And it, you might not need that many this year. You know, it might not come to that. All you've got to do is concentrate on where you are in the league and where everyone else is around you and how far you are adrift. And I, I do think that given the certainly the start of the season that we've had and, and, and some of the most disappointing spells, we're not that far away. It could have been, I feel like having, I feel, come through that worst period and looking at the league table, I feel quite optimistic. You, know, you can actually do it. They can actually get out of it. Um, the bookies won't think so. Um, and they, and they've, got to, they've got to get going pretty quick. They've got to do it quick. They can't hang around. And they've got to beat some good teams. They can't just beat the, the also-runs. Um, but they're, they're still in that mix. And um, they've got to keep believing. And um, the manager does. Whatever, the, whatever you think, the manager does. When you speak to him, when the, when the tapes aren't going... Um, and the video stopped. He does believe they can get out of it. And um, while that is the case, then we've all got to believe with him and uh, and hope and pray they can do it. Graham, is there a possibility? You know, two seasons ago, PPG was our friend. You know, the season sort of came to an end, and crew were promoted on the basis <laughs> of what had already happened. Is there a possibility, reading into what's happening in the UK at the minute, that the season will end and we will be relegated on PPG this season? No chance. It didn't come to our didn't come to our aid. Yeah, we went up, but we should have won the league. We would have won the league. <laughs> we would have won Thank the league. Great. So, uh, uh, so as it is, I'm not sure uh, that's going to happen. I don't think that that will happen. I think the season will get completed, and uh, I still maintain that they've got an opportunity and, and a, a good chance. Yeah, there's one or two clubs over the weekend picked up points. One or two lost though, and one or two uh, above us. Uh, didn't win either uh, I mean around about the middle of the table so there's a few clubs getting dragged into it one thing that's got to happen for crew as I just had a quick look they've used 30 players this season which is a tremendous amount of players for a, a, a little close squad that crew has they've got to try and get that settled team and, and have a consistent s- spell uh, and that has got to be the, the, the one thing that's Two, two things that come together that will give them the opportunity to climb out of the bottom four. If it doesn't improve, well, I'm sorry to say that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be nowhere near getting out to the, to the side fifth and bottom. But I've still got hope, as Pete said, the manager is still believing that he, he thinks that there's a lot more to come. And uh, all being well, you know, we don't see any COVID interruptions and they can get back to because they've got a few fixtures coming up again that are in their hands that they've got to turn those results around. I've told you about what I thought at the beginning of the season. That wasn't good enough when we were losing to all those teams who are all still around the bottom end of the uh, of, of of the table. So when they come up the second time around, they've got to be taking maximum points. And you and and the, and the rest of the crew supporters play a big part in that. There's no doubt about that. We spoke about what the fans have been doing on the away games. Stick with the team on the home games as well. Yes, you can. Uh, you're entitled to make your opinions and you can have your have your say. But to try, even though it's hard at times, to be right behind Dave and the rest of the team. And fingers crossed, 2022 will give Dave Artel. Something else on his CV when he said to us on the radio many, many weeks ago, if I could keep crew up this season, that would be my biggest ever achievement as a football manager. Let's hope he can do that. Yeah, I mean, I think 
personally speaking, I think my biggest concern with this whole COVID stuff is more to do with the postponed games because we will have a run eventually, as every team will down there. I think we'll have a run where we'll win maybe three or four on the chart and pick up some points. And I say like everyone else will as well. Um, but what we don't want to be doing is we don't want to be having that run when it when we're 13, 14, 15 points adrift. And if we if we are in a situation where we do have a few games postponed, that can very, very easily rack up. I don't. I don't think they'll. I don't think Crew will get a drift like that now. I think. Um, I think they've bottomed out, and I think they're uh, they're better than that now. So I, I don't think that'll be the case. Um, if 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 they stop the season now, I think they just scrap the season. I don't think you do a points per game on half a season. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose with the uh, the game stacking up, that'll be pretty much everyone in the same boat. Um, they'll want to keep it going. They won't. You know, the the authorities won't want to. Um, stop the season and obviously they've, everyone's got more experience of dealing with these situations now they've been through it before um, they, know, they know the procedures and the steps they've got to take to try and get games on and uh, I've no doubt that that's what everyone will be trying to achieve Okay I'm going to finish with one last thing and then I'll, like I say I'll let you go um, get on with Sunday dinners um, <laughs> Boxing Day uh, is a, it's a day that you know is associated with football uh, for you two, though, it's a working day. So I presume, you know, you've got your presents for each other ready for Wigan. Uh, your hip flask of whiskey that we found out about when Graham did his pod uh, in the summer. Um, what is the best Boxing Day game that you can remember going to with crew? Oh, I can't remember last season's. Never mind. Oh, Pete, uh, you better get into that. Boxing Day we game. Need, we, need, we need advance warning of any questions yeah. that require memory. I can tell you uh, mine. Especially when you reach my I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please, I'll, please I'll tell you mine um, when Dave on, and I Dave. were talking Go about on. this. 20, well, 2002-2003, because that's the season that football oh, peaked. No. Cheltenham away, 4-0. Yeah, I agree with that. I remember it. Was, it was, that, was, it, it was Dino playing then? The promotion season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And Did, we were, um, I've got I'm a sorry. mate who's a Cheltenham fan, and he said... He was uh, at the same match as well. I was in the away end, and he said afterwards that was like watching a Premier League team. Was that the day that Dino won us some money? I'm fairly sure that day we sat. The first goal scorer, Hulse and Dean up front, and Steve Jones and Rodney Jack on the wing, and just let Kenny Lunt and Dave Brammer do everything in the midfield, and we just completely steamrolled them. It was the one um, I spoke to Steve Foster and said the goalkeeper at one point in the second half turned around and said that number six is heading every single ball I've kicked so far today. Uh, so I think that's easily. So, you know, let's leave it there. Um, I think, you know, that was the best one. Did, did Danny O'Donnell score two goals in one game? On a, was, that a, was that a boxing day? Or was it a... I'm sure it was a special New Year's Don't Day. Don't remember day. Danny four, O'Donnell three ever. Four, three wins. That was Scunthorpe, I think, but I'm not sure it was boxing day. Was Scunthorpe, or was it? I think we did it twice, didn't we? It was no, I, no, I, no idea, but I enjoyed that game. And if you're including New Year's Day games, then surely two nil away at Leeds. Yeah. Oh well, I doubt that was the yeah. that was the pinnacle of the all reporting time. That when the crew were on that roll of uh, beating these terrific clubs and uh, winning uh, down that that particular day. But uh, I'm pretty sure that Cheltenham game was when Dino had a little wager on, as sometimes we do, for the first goal, and uh, he did the business. The old lad did. So. Um... Coming up on Christmas Day, we are about 75% confident that we're going to have another Christmas Day episode, like last year's with Neil Baker. Um, I won't say who it is yet, 
But if you have been paying attention, it is the goalkeeper from my favourite ever season of football. Um, so fingers crossed that comes off. It hasn't been recorded yet, but we are hopeful that will happen before Saturday. Pete and Graham, thank you so much for coming back on. It's been an absolute pleasure as ever. No worries. Yeah, no problem. Enjoyed it. And uh, from all the McGarry family that's been involved in this particular podcast, uh, a special uh, uh, <laughs> a collection for all the kids, if you don't mind, will come in very handy. So don't forget to uh, send your uh, late Christmas presents to the McGarry family. And for <laughs> Pete and myself, many, many Christmas for everybody. Keep supporting the Alex. And fingers crossed the new year will bring some cheer. Steve and Dave, thank you so much. My pleasure. Merry Christmas, all. Thank you for listening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, We'll be back hopefully on Christmas Day. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, 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 ding,